Welcome to AMD Tech Talk, your source for the latest in data center innovation and insight on AMD's latest technology breakthroughs. And now here's your host, Jim Green. Thanks for listening today. Our guest is Charles Lozado of Dassault Systems. Charles, thanks for joining us. Can you give us a quick sentence on your role at Dassault and your background? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Jim. Thanks very much for inviting me here. Pleasure to be here. So I'm responsible for the industrialization of, of solutions within Dassault System within the Simulia brand. We're responsible for simulation. I make sure that everything that gets developed within the R&D department actually makes it to a usable form uh, for our customers for usage in industry. Well, thanks. Let's talk about the, the industry and Dassault. Uh, Dassault has a long history of providing technical computing solutions to a variety of industries across, across the board. Can you provide some of the insight into the areas where you engage and how your customers benefit from your technology in the uh, area that you're responsible for? Yeah, absolutely. That's the system engages across quite a lot of different industries. And, and this goes from transportation, cars, trains, trucks, and so forth, to consumer goods through life sciences. And it includes high-tech and architecture, engineering, and construction, uh, which is going to be more, more representative of the topic today. And we address these industries by looking at the life cycle of the products that they produce or the entities that they produce. And so we follow the evolution of these products. We build what's called a virtual twin experience, where we look at the life of that entity with all of the brands that we have in the system, and specifically for me, with simulation. The, the objective really is to provide a virtual twin representation of, of the full life of, of that product. We, we end up organizing all of that complexity in something we call the 3D experience platform. And that's where you're going to see uh, everything centered around that entity, around that product. And you're going to add on attributes onto that. And so these attributes could be simulation results. It could be information about the model. And so I'm personally responsible for, for ensuring that every solution that comes out of R&D, that's um, an attribute of simulation, where we take physical behavior and, and we look at how natural laws affect physical behavior of that product or that entity, get mapped onto the, the object. Some of the, of the most interesting examples we see today are, you know, what we see around electrifications of, of cars. And when you're looking at car electrification, it's, it's a relatively complex system that you're trying to optimize. And for battery powered cars, it's range versus everything else, right? Range is kind of the main objective there. And so what we come in and do is we simulate the range that a vehicle will have in a realistic driving cycle. And then we balance that with the comfort and the safety of the cabin and the cooling of, of the battery. And so we're able to, to give a representation of everything that's going on in the cabin, the temperature distribution, the humidity, the individual level of comfort, and, and allow engineers to make decisions that will either increase range and decrease comfort or the opposite, and sometimes even find an optimum which does both at the same time. And so that's what Simulia does, provide representation of what would happen in reality and in the physical world uh, to, to optimize the performance of a product or an entity. I'm sure that uh, that adds a, a ton of benefits. And obviously, the, the electrification is a huge area of interest for the last couple of years, and I expect to, in for the, the forthcoming years here. Another area that's kind of really seeing a lot of change and getting a lot of attention, of course, is, is AI and or one of the underpinnings of the AI revolution here 
is really uh, increasing demands on data center and more data centers being built out uh, and people trying to drive the most value they can from their data center environments. What is so doing in, in terms of looking at the data center and taking that ability to do simulation and optimization digitally versus having to rebuild things all the time? What opportunity is there in, in, in terms of uh, delivering solutions that help um, make that data center revolution more, more efficient? Well, everything that I just covered around technology for that electric car that we just spoke about, it's going to map mm -hmm. over to the data center really, really well. Before we go on just around the simulation, there's solutions around everything for construction, mapping out the layout of the mm -hmm. data center, the piping and the ducting with automated systems, and then managing all of the data that's, that's going to be present from the creation of that data center. But specifically in Simulia, around cooling, around thermal distributions within a, a server hall, mm -hmm. we've developed a, a solution that's called sustainable always-on data centers. And it, it has three main aspects. Um, one part is around structures, and so this is more of static analysis, uh, but also dynamic behavior of, of the data center. Another one is around electromagnetics, and the last one is around cooling, everything we, we just spoke about with regards to, to the car. And all of these aspects actually are intertwined. There's an optimum to be found to balance all of them. And, and maybe I can give you again a, a small example. You know, when, when we're looking at things like... Uh, electromagnetic performance, we're going to be looking at either natural effects, trickle storms, lightning strikes, but also man-made effects. And we're trying to protect the data center from electromagnetic waves from penetrating inside the server hall. And so we're going to design a climate system and some ducting, and the shape of the ducting might actually guide waves into the data center. And so the choices you're going to make on that system shape and its organization around the data center is going to impact the penetration of, a, of a electromagnetic waves inside the data center itself and inside the data hall. And then when you're thinking about cooling, it's the same HVAC system that you're going to have to think about. How am I designing that same HVAC system to ensure that we have you know, the appropriate distribution of heat uh, within the data center? And, and then how can you balance these two aspects, electromagnetics and cooling system, to have something that's both safe against attacks or against natural phenomena? and energy efficient and, uh, and, and well-built and sustained. That's a multi-dimensional problem. That's fascinating. You tend to think of these things like, oh, HVAC, all right, hot or cold. No, 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 no. That's super cool there. What are some of the things that people are, are asking for? What is important to, hey, really focus our efforts in driving efficiency in our data center in area X or Y? When you're working with customers, what are, what are kind of the priorities they're setting for you? It will depend on where they're starting from. Some customers are looking at the design of the data center, so they're more working mm -hmm. from, from the construction aspect. We have something new, we're going to implement a new design, what equipment are we going to choose and, and how are we going to lay it out? And in that case, they're really looking at decreasing the future cost of operation of the data center and choosing the most cost-effective solution. And this can come from, from a lot of different aspects. I mean, when we talk about cost, uh, the majority of it is not actually coming from cooling, but a good 15% comes from cooling, humidity, things like that. And, and so they're asking us to design something which is going to bring um, a correct sizing of the climate system. So the ability to have a cooling load, that's what it's called, the amount of cooling that comes out of the climate system that perfectly matches the demand, not just of the full 
server hall, but of each individual server or each individual blade within a rack, right? So that's the dream, getting a perfect amount of cooling for each blade. And that's the dream of right sizing, as it's called, the climate system within the, within the data mm -hmm. center. And when you do this, at the end of the day, you're going to also have to think about potential mixing of cold aisle versus warm aisle air, right? Leaks that you might have or just effects of conduction. Where are we going to have leaks across this whole room? Can you please point out from the simulation, right, from the detailed analysis that you've run for this whole space, where you have air going from where it should be only cold to where it should be only warm. And that's really the worst that you can have in, in a data center because you're cooling down your, your air, you're using energy, and you're not benefiting from that cool energy at mm -hmm. the server level. Right? It's completely wasted energy. So they're looking for those areas. And then finally, they're also going to look for, for air that keeps recirculating that never actually reaches the servers that keeps going from the HVAC through the room back to the HVAC before it's gotten a chance to go through um, these server blades. That's called bypass air. And again, this is a waste of energy and something that they're trying to decrease and to avoid. Now, the last aspect with regards to the design of, of a data center is, is where are we going to put all of our HVAC inlets? And where are we going to put all of our HVAC outlets? So up till now, we talked about the wraps, the, the, the racks, the grommets, the location of the equipment, the IT equipment within the data center. But then the cooling system needs to come in from a certain location and come out from another. And at best, we'd only have one inlet and one outlet because that's low cost. That's easy to maintain. There's less ducting. It's, it's optimal. But it's also not going to ensure that you have exactly the cooling load you need, not just for the room, but for each individual blade within, within where the you rack. need it. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's the trick, right? You need to figure out from a fluid analysis, from a computational fluid dynamics analysis, where the air is going across the room in, in, um, in transient way. So how it varies in time as well as a function of load to figure out where you're going to have to position these inlets and these outlets to that climate system. And even where you're going to have to position the sensors, which, which are used to control the climate system. So that's normally the questions we get for, um, for every, everyone doing design. And then we get a whole different series of questions for those who already have a built data center and who are looking to you know, see what they can improve or, or maybe do a little bit of maintenance. What do you see more of these days? The brownfield, you know, hey, I need to upgrade and I need to renovate and I need to modernize and improve efficiency of my existing infrastructure or, hey, uh, I'm going greenfield, building something new. What's the, the rough mix? It, it tends to be more upgrading existing data centers. And yeah, I think it's because it's aligned with trend towards hyperscalers and increasing the density of load. And, and we kind mm -hmm. of see this as well from the offering from A&D, more density of cores, we can replace servers and we're going to have the same footprint of the data center. We're going to have higher load, higher amounts of heat emitted by blade and within a specific area of data center. So that's more the issues that we tend to see. They're asking us, you know, we have a new distribution of load. We have new hardware. How are we going to deal with this with the existing climate system that's present within, within our data center? And if we go to the extreme, it's not even when they replace hardware that this question comes. They're even starting to ask us, um, how can I deal with variations in, in load throughout the day? and maintain mm -hmm. an optimum distribution of cooling throughout the day. Because what you end up seeing in, in hyperscalers is VMs or microservices just being allocated to different hosts constantly. 
as a function of demand. And so the load is going to vary a lot across the day as a function of demand. And somehow your cooling system needs to keep up with that. So one of the yep. cool things about simulation that you can't do when you're just using measurements within the room and trying to use historical data to help you out in this scenario is that you can run investigations into cases where you, you've not had that type of load. Right? So maybe a new movie is launching <laughs> on a streaming provider and, uh, and we, we know that there's going to be a new type of load distribution. We know that new microservices are going to be assigned to hosts. Um, what's the impact that that's going to have in our operational costs and in our cooling costs? Well, that can be predicted with the cooling simulation that we offer uh, within these uh, server halls. So you can model what we would consider corner cases or unusual scenarios uh, much more readily and much more effectively and inexpensively than in the past, right? Oh, yeah. Well, in the past, the information was mostly unavailable. You'd have just a few points of measurement within the server hall wherever you'd position sensors and you have the machine sensors as well. But that's it. You don't know what's going on inside the hall itself. And now with simulation, what we like to say is we make the invisible visible. You can see mm -hmm. every single flow of air centimeter by centimeter across the room and even understand if the outlet of one of the blades is responsible for an increase in temperature in the inlet of another blade somewhere else. You can track mm -hmm. the motion of air everywhere. And, and actually, if, if we push this kind of investigation, this investigation of a what-if scenario to the extreme, we can even look at failure. So what we've been asked to do in the past is uh, to ensure that these data centers remain always on is to uh, simulate the failure of the cooling system. So say you've had a tremor somewhere in California, 84% of damage in the US for, for seismic activities in California. There's a lot of data centers there. Let's assume that you had a tremor in California and some of your cooling towers on the roof have suffered. And, and one of them starts failing. Uh, the fan's not rotating as it should and you're not extracting heat from your climate system as you used to. Well, when that happens, how much time do you have before you reach critical temperatures in your data hall and machines start either throttling or in the extreme cases, if you're already running quite hot in the server hall in the call out, um, shutting down. That, that amount of time mm -hmm. can also be predicted in simulation. You can tell you, well, this is how fast you need to react and this is the amounts of parts that you need to have on standby uh, if something bad happens. And it allows them to do their contingency planning about, hey, how do you start diverting traffic to other locations, et cetera? Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah. we could use other solutions also to model the diversion of that traffic. We don't do it extensively. We're more just on the time that it takes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is essential information for them to know. Um, that's the reaction time. That's the amount of spending you should have on parts, on labor, to be able to ensure you have 100% up. Wow, that's a really holistic type of view there. That's, uh, that's impressive. So, so uh, Desso and AMD are close partners, and you've, you've, you've talked about our data center modernization, the ability to you know, use more cores and, and more energy, uh, but to do increasingly more work on those so you, know, you can do do more with less at the end of the day here. Uh, but again, people will, it's a data center, so it is going to be uh, uh, concentrated here. I know we've done a lot to optimize uh, the AMD's hardware architecture and Deso's, uh super cool software there to take advantage of some of the features that we deliver in the hardware. Um, and, and we've talked about, you know, one of the end results is efficiency. But what a lot, uh, most people probably don't want to think about, well, you know, what is the, demand for performance for, I mean, you, 
you, you were talking about modeling at kind of a, a room scale, but also the outlet of a blade scale in blade to blade interaction. What, what, what is, what role is performance and, and is performance an attribute that, that really drives customer choice and, and when they're looking for solutions in the space? There's two aspects to this, right? There's the way in which performance helps us run simulations. And then there's how performance can be affected by, uh, by this cooling. So I'll start out with, you know, how, how performance helps us deliver um, simulations. Uh, I mentioned that some of the applications are for the design of the data center. And so the people who are looking at running these simulations do not necessarily have next to them or available to them a, a big compute cluster, right? Something with, with hundreds of servers to be able to run the types of analysis that, that are needed that deliver the results that are useful here. But with processors like the Epic range, the 7000 range, I think it is, end up getting something like uh, 64 cores per, uh, per socket. So two sockets mm -hmm. or even four sockets up to 256 cores. That's your cluster into one blade. That's a cluster that's good enough to run this type of simulation and deliver a result to, to someone who doesn't have a full set of racks available to him to run these computations. So we're opening the door with these types of, of architectures of CPUs to, to, uh, to users that previously never had access to the compute power that's now available within a single blade. And, and that's very important because beyond making that available to them, we're also potentially going to allow them to run very, very fast. Right? And uh, I was talking about simulation uh, for, um, for hyperscalers and as a function of the allocation of load within different, within different blades. In this case, we need to be simulating not on the order of days, but in the order of minutes, right? To be able to give a new distribution of heat, new paths of, um, of called out to hot aisle, new leakages, um, very, very quickly as a function of the variation of the load. And, and that's exactly what advances in CPU architecture, everything that's been done on the Epic 7000 is really helpful for these types of heavy, very paralyzed computations that we do um, in CFD. Now, if we look at the other side, of, of the coin, right? How does an Epic processor react to bad cooling, right? Or how does a, a series of, of, of very dense computing blades react to bad cooling? Well, I mentioned it before, you're going to have two effects. Um, one of them is going to be first an increase in the fan speed and therefore an increase in the power consumption of, of, that, of that rack. There's a factor of two on average between optimal range fan rotation speed, so when you have the correct temperature entering your server blades, and overheated <laughs> blades and, and power consumption from the fans cooling that blade. Very simply, whenever the temperature goes up at the inlet of a blade, the fans need to run faster to bring the same amount of cooling through the server. And so you're going to have an increase in power consumption, and in the worst of cases, you're going to ha start having throttling. So it's extremely important to keep the uh, temperature going into each server relatively low to avoid reaching that threshold of throttling because that's where you start decreasing your efficiency ratio, right? You're going to have mm -hmm. less cycles for the same power consumed, and, and that's where we want to stay away from in, in data center. This has been some fascinating stuff. And, and I'm kind of mad that we don't have a visual element here because I bet this is really some cool eye candy. And is there a place where folks could find out more about the solutions we talked about today and kind of get a, get a visual sense of uh, the types of solutions you can deliver. Absolutely. I mean, we have um, a dedicated page on our website on uh, 3ds.com. And I think we can put this in the notes probably of the podcast 
where we talk about data center design and the solutions that we bring forward for data centers. And you'll see a few pictures there. And actually, one of the um, nicknames of computational fluid dynamics is uh, colors for directors, which is unfortunate I can't use them here to be convincing. But <laughs> you'll find some of those on that website. You'll also find a link to um, more material around computational fluid dynamics, thermal simulations, and a link to our Simulia sales team if you would wish to get in touch with them and, and ask more questions. And we're happy to hear your questions. Fantastic. Thank, thanks for sharing. This is really great information. Charles, thanks for joining us today. No worries. Thank you so much, Jim. Thanks. We'll catch you next episode. Thanks for joining AMD Tech Talk. Find out more about the technologies discussed today at www.amd.com.